Hello everyone, welcome back to Gaming the System, the uh, gaming podcast where we look at gaming through a feminist lens. Today we have myself, Matt, Caroline, Alex and Jem, the full team, and we're going to be looking at arcade and pub games. Now, from what I've gathered so far, most people have a soft spot in their hearts and warm memories of pub games and arcade games. So we're going to have a look through them, have a chat, and uh, presumably some feminine... Fem- some feminism will bleed in along the way. Um, so what we're going to start off with, thinking of arcade games as, like you go to a bowling alley, there'd be some um, driving games, shooting games, and then you go to a pub, there might be some darts, there might be some snooker, and uh, some. I've only just thought of some other esoteric pub games, so maybe we'll ask about esoteric ones as well. Um, so our first topic I'm going to ask Caroline, what is your earliest memory of arcade or pub games? Actually, so just arcade games. Just, we'll move yeah. on to pub games in the second part. Okay, well, because arcade games, so when I was 11, and this is quite embarrassing how old I was, I couldn't swim properly because when I was four, I fell in a swimming pool and drowned and I was terrified of it. This is all going somewhere, by the way. Um, so um, when I was 11, uh, my mum took me and my best friend to the local swimming pool every weekend to try so I could learn to swim. And my friend Danielle taught me and she's a very good person um, for doing that. But my favourite bit of that was the fact that they had Street Fighter 2. And as soon as we'd finished swimming, <laughs> we could go and play Street Fighter 2. And my mum very patient. I now look back on it and I think there wasn't really anywhere for my mum to sit or wait. And like I feel kind of bad now <laughs> that she had to just stand there while we were bashing buttons for ages. But yeah, Street Fighter 2, um, that was one of the really... Like fighter games, I don't really play many fighting games these days, but I used to a lot as a teenager because they're a really good social game when you're a teenager. And Street Fighter 2 was the first one where, and I understood Hadoukens and I was obsessed with it. And I just, yeah, I loved that. It made me so happy and it made swimming more fun. And so now I won't drown if I fall in the body of water, thanks to Street Fighter 2. It's amazing the impact that games can have on, on, on real life. And the way you live it. Uh, Gem, what are your earliest memories of them? Uh, um, I think probably my earliest memory is the um, 2p penny pusher games. I don't know if they count. <laughs> but uh, I, count. I got If you find it in a seaside like uh, arcade, yeah. it counts. I got um, I got really excited today. I sent I sent you I sent a pic, I shared a picture of them I'm just, just in case anyone has not had the pleasure, or in case um, they think tipping point is what it actually. Is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they're basically games where you have to put um, your two p in, and it goes down a little slide, and then it hits onto a um, a. a, a platform that's sliding backwards and forwards and if you get it at the right place then it it pushes forward i think these are 10 p's this is a sign of the times isn't it but you can still <laughs> see the 2p ones um and um and if you get it in the right place then all those coins are going to fall off the edge there and into the tray and you're going to be rich beyond your wildest dreams and if you're really lucky you'll get like a pack of union jack playing cards or a little rubber ducky or a sweet. Um, and I just remember just I was obsessed with them. I loved them. And my parents would go to these like um usually somewhere in Wales, you know, it's like a, 
as an amusement arcade near a beach or something and and I just spend like quite happily spend like hours <laughs> well it felt like hours it's probably minutes but um you know just playing on these games it was it just was my favorite thing and I think it really appealed to well it probably like is why I ended up loving Tetris and games like that because I think it appeals to all that sort of like filling in the gaps and the neatness and all of that so yeah gambling really though isn't it because you'd always put mm-hmm. straight back in yeah. again <laughs> yeah, I remember they remember those they're so that just that when you look at it and it pushes it off the edge and you just, just a little so child close, yeah. you feel yeah you're feeling rich when you've like the volume of coins you get makes you feel like you're a millionaire when you've got one of those little tubs filling, the noise of all falling down yeah. was so exciting as well because mm. it was so not loud and it would probably be like you know 30p's worth of coins, <laughs> but it was a lot I think um I don't know if it's my earliest memory, but I think the one that was so awesome that it has blown like the memories of anything earlier out of the way is Time Crisis 2. Because the awesome red and blue and just the guns, guns are so cool and just getting able to hold a gun and shoot it and you you duck up and out and out of cover. Um, And I got to the point that I could... I could play the game from start to finish on my own on one pound. So one set of lives because it was just I'd played it so much. But I'm sure I've I've, uh, mentioned this before that I would always rank number six in the total list of scores (laughs) and they only show the top five. And I never, I never broke, I never broke that. So it's it's bittersweet. Um, Alex, uh, what are your earliest memories? I think mine are very, very similar to Gems, to be honest. It's mainly the 2P um, slot ones, you know. Um, They always really excited me, and I always associate them with memories of going to places like the Isle of Wight and Bognor Pier and things like that. And uh, I always felt they were kind of almost quite magical, like the way they were lit up and all the sort of sound effects you got with them. and all the other machines around and um, just a sense of anticipation seeing the coins on the very edge and just waiting and, and you know, hoping that it was going to tip. It was always really, really exciting. Um, other memories in terms of arcade games are kind of quite hazy, but I do remember seeing, like you say, at bowling alleys and things like you've got the shooting ones and the the ones with motorbikes as well. I was always really yeah. tempted to try those, but I didn't feel like they were very accessible to me, obviously, because I felt like it, the moment I tried to climb on one, I was probably going to fall off, so I didn't even risk it. But I was always really tempted to give those a go because my uncle, uh, he has about, I don't know, maybe seven, eight motorbikes that he has, um, and uh, he was always really interested in, in those and thinking about how realistic they actually were um, and things. So we're always keenly watching other people, but uh, never never having a go ourselves, I don't think. I was thinking how... Um, so talking about the sort of arcade games, like the, the Racing Horses one, and, uh, oh, my God, the hockey, the air hockey. Oh, oh yes. Love air hockey. What a game. What a game. Um, and so things like that and things like coin pushers, um, they are – there's no gender because there's no – there's no 
characters in it so mm-hmm. it can't be it can't have any representation in it and i think that was actually really beautiful because it means that every i don't think anyone would go into like an, an old style arcade and feel like it's not a place that they belong mm-hmm. i feel like any anyone walks into this this gaming emporium and just runs up to a machine and because when you're a kid all the machines look massive um and I remember at, at the general arcades, like electric game arcades, there was always, I, I don't remember like it only being boys. I just, you go there with your parents and parents take all the kids. Mm. Um, I think, I, sorry, I just, I think there's still a bit though of, um, so I quite, luckily, I don't think any of them watch this podcast, so I'm going to be very descriptive but hopefully they won't identify who they are um which is a group of adult friends uh where we used to go to the to the bowling alley as you say and they had a really and this is this is modern era this is in the last 10 years and they had a lot of all this arcade stuff set up and there was a bit of a sort of like oh the women are going to go and uh, use the hateney shove and do the drop the coins in there. And that was very much, that was what the other women in the group wanted to do. They're like, yeah, but Caroline's going to go with the boys and play on the shooty games and the arcade games. And so I did feel like there was a weird delineation that somehow the the Hainty Shove was a thing that women did. <laughs> and that sort of going and playing on the sort of violent hitty games were something that men did, which was weird. And I wonder if that was like a hangover from the fact that I was dealing with people in their thirties and forties. But the gem, has that been um have you experienced anything in terms of that with your relationship with the, the more classic style of arcade games? What the gender split? Yeah, just feeling like when you walk in, do you feel like these are the games that are meant for me, and no. these games aren't meant for me? <laughs> no, I never had that. I mean, I when I when I was playing the the, the two two p push games, that was I was um, really little, and then when I because I I grew up in the countryside, um, arcades were something I only came across very rarely um but when I was in my um sort of late teens I used to go down to London a few times a year to um meet up with um people on the mud that we played and one of the things we used to do is is go and and um hang out in a local pub in in the centre of London um and then when we weren't in the pub we were usually elsewhere and one of the places that we used to go to was the Trocadero which um no longer exists but was bloody awesome if you excuse my language yeah this is it it doesn't that look just like amazing it was all of that just like nostalgia Um, kick just looking at that You know, and it just, I mean, you can see they're all men. Uh, when you look at it, when all the photos that I found of this place, it was all guys, basically. But <laughs> it was it was like three levels or two levels or something, just full of, of arcade games. But I remember going there with a, with, um, with a bunch of these people and oh, I, they were mostly mostly men and uh, well, young, young men. And, um, and I remember that I, I, um, managed to basically pull one of the, one of the, than other guys that was there because I beat him um, on um, on Daytona in in the Trocadero and he was so shocked because like you know girls can't drive can't play driving games and he was just really and that was it he fell in love with me because of that and um, 
Yeah. I fell in love with him because he picked me up, <laughs> which is very cliche. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, so I, I used to pride myself actually on being and not playing the girly games. Not that there were really any girly games in arcades and, and just really enjoying them. And I loved it. I loved the noise. I loved all the lights. Just, you know, the, the Trocadero was definitely one of my happy places. And it's quite sad. But it yeah, just because we're probably never going to talk about the Trocadero again. Um, I just want to mention the fact that oh, I don't know. I'm sure I can bring it up. <laughs> in the, um, so it was in, in the last. I think it would have been probably about 1993, 94, maybe a bit later, but because it was shut, didn't it? In like the mid 90s, so it can't be that much later. But they had an alien experience where, like, you'd get you'd go in, and it was like there was people dressed up as characters out of Alien, and they drag you through corridors and like ah, ah, and jump scares at you, and that was just. I and again, that, that was, <laughs> there, there was a lot of like, you know, oh, well, you're a girl. You won't want to go through that. You'll be too scared. And I was like, I'm bloody well going now. I mean, I was mm-hmm. terrified, obviously, but, you know, I wasn't going to lose face that I wasn't going to do it because I was a girl. So just as I say, because we're probably never going to bring out the Trocadero again. <laughs> the, um, so the thing you both, you both said then was um, that, you would be the one the girls would go when in the in the scenarios where the girls went one way you would and the boys went the other way you would go with the boys um and you you loved it you had a wonderful time that was what you enjoyed but for the other girls they it's sort of like the gender roles will have impacted some of them probably just wouldn't have liked games anyway but some of them might have loved it but all mm. but the way they were brought up, they they weren't brought up in that way, unfortunately. Which I hope is something that that is changing and will continue to change. Um, Alex, because in terms of your um, in your intersections as a, both mm-hmm. a, a woman and a disabled um, woman, um, has that how has that impacted your experience of um, going to arcades? Certainly, there's some things in arcades that. or at least pub games in general as well, if we consider the whole spectrum. There are some things like, when I remember when I first started uni, we all went round to the student union pub and there was a pool table and we all played pool. And of course, I completely crap at pool because my hand-eye coordination is like the worst. You imagine me with a a stick, (laughs) it's been like, and um, it was great because I had I had fun time just being rubbish at it, and everyone was like, "Okay, you just go and sit and have a drink and watch everyone else," because there was no way I was gonna like attempt to be any good at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it did have an impact, obviously, because I couldn't. Um, you know, I did stop halfway through, so I was a bit like, "Oh, can't can't finish playing pool with the others because I'm rubbish at it," but. Uh, there's some aspects to certain games where there's a lot of hand-eye coordination and sort of bending and moving and around, around and the physical aspects, which um, are a barrier to me, I would say. Um, and, you know, when it's a group activity as well, it, it can be a little bit rubbish. Um, but, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it until now, to be honest. It's a, a good question to bring up, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I think it's a when you think arcade, I, I like I really like this about what we do because we think of anything to do with games, you think arcade games, what's what could that possibly have to do with feminism? And it's not just our feminism, it's our intersectionality. So there will mm-hmm. always be um 
crossovers, which I'm I'm really glad. So I hadn't thought of that question um, until until we were doing this, um, and I'm I'm always really pleased when we can find we find that that collision point. Um, so obviously, because the world's built for people like me, uh, I've 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 never had any issues issues uh with with going in but that's that's not really surprising uh, like, so i i don't have any i don't have any interesting stories about it if you think about darts for example that's something i could never do because you can imagine how dangerous i would be with, with darts in hand it would not be a good thing um I mean, I'm I really don't think... a few points yeah. as well, as well. <laughs> this is true, yeah. we should factor in the levels at which you should stop playing when alcohol is involved just go up to the uh, bar with a dart yeah. and say give me a drink yeah. So don't you cut me off? How dare you? But but Matt, I mean, you know, like there were games like um, the dance mats things. Did you oh, ever yeah. do any of those? I mean, those those were. I mean, I I used to see quite a lot of um, young men dancing away on those, but they were mainly women who did them. Yeah. I mean, so there are some games, and there was. Um, I'm trying to think. There was another one, but I can't can't quite think of it now but the but did you ever feel that those were games that you couldn't do because they they were not macho enough not manly enough um, I felt it just feels wrong even saying those words around you because you're you know I know you, you you push back against that but um I'm, just for I'm, the sake of argument. <laughs> I'm so pleased that you uh, came up with that because that just uh made me think of, a, of another tangent um yeah that is those things where I, I think you can in in the gender roles. There might be things that you genuinely enjoy, um, uh, but then that means that there are restrictions on things. So I don't think I'd I'd like dance dance like the dance games aren't my my passion that I never that I never got to do. That is my 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 like that's that my lost opportunity. Um, so nowadays I'd I'd be fine with it. I did that in ballroom dancing at university and really enjoyed that. Especially the cha cha cha, love the cha cha cha. You just made me think. Talking about uh, sent me off. So with gender expression, right? So it's only in very recent years that it started to become more a mainstream accepted thing. So rather than it was just lesbian and gay, you go, oh, there's bisexual, there's trans, there's queer, there's non-binary, there's intersex, and it goes off into the distance. Because that's the full. The, we're starting to see the the gender as the spectrum that it is, and thinking about um, in the past because it wasn't acceptable and people didn't didn't weren't taught about it. There would be um, opportunities for them to express themselves in the way that they feel they're most authentic, and I imagine that there were plenty of um, like. Because you're not as men, you're not supposed to enjoy dancing around and playing on girly things. Um, but I think games offer a wonderful opportunity for people to explore. They might they might play play as uh, a woman in a fantasy game and go, and that sparks something. And goes, I've this this feels this is evoking something really powerful in me, and then that might be like a spark that makes them 
it offers opportunities to feel like your authentic self in a world that tells you that you're you're ill or wrong for for that feeling so i'm really really glad that you that you brought that up uh jen because that's uh i think that's a, a path that games can can be really good for us all on it's interesting actually that you mentioned that because i'm I'm doing some research at the moment, and my supervisor, um, Barbara Meacher, she um, that uh, she did some research into that, into into the characters that people choose to play in an online game, and and whether they gender swap and and all of those sorts of things. And what they found was that if uh, that people who are very um, uh, settled in their in their sort of real world. Uh, gender are more are less comfortable uh, playing a, a different gender online they they don't they don't connect with it in the same way as they would if they so you know if they play if they're female in in the real world and then they play a male character they don't connect with it in the same way but i think that it's really interesting as to what will happen now that we're as we begin to recognize gender as a more fluid concept and people you know this new generation of of kids who are sort of feeling much more able to kind of like pick and choose really about where they how they present themselves to the world if they feel less sort of settled or set and I don't mean that in a negative way I mean that just in Mm. a you know they're more open to it then maybe that as you say these online environments will provide more opportunity to explore um things that maybe that you know different different ways of being that they can't do in the real in the real world or the physical world um so yeah i think it's a really interesting thing i think there's a huge amount of op- opportunity that's put out there by by games and by um, and and by playing different types of games as well um i think it's interesting because arcade gaming is very public mm, so that's, yeah. there's another factor there isn't there a way to really so I think if you had a like a, a sixteen-year-old boy who was playing uh, the dance game on his own in an arcade and just losing them, losing themselves, because that's what that's that's where you see people at their most authentic when they are lost in something that that brings that uh, they love, they can lose themselves in it, and that's I think I that would be something that is potentially very powerful. Uh, for for them to be to be seen as they mm. as they mm. as they feel their most mm. self, uh, Caroline and Alex, do you have anything to to add on on uh, that topic? No, not on that point. I think you've you've said it really well, Matt. <laughs> yeah, no, I just yeah. I was just wrapped in the idea of because of course, like you know, I love D and D, and it's sort of like I think what you were talking about there is very much it's D and D is a powerful tool for that. But when you said there at the end, it's the public nature of arcades mm. and stuff. And about what you're playing, and I think, I think actually, it's I'm gonna. You know how Matt hasn't watched Wreck It Ralph, right? And he needs to watch Wreck It Ralph. Um, <laughs> there is a there is a thing on that of like you know the um, the game that what's a face is in and stuff, and the sort of oh nobody's playing that game, nobody's playing this game. And it explores a lot of the who goes to which bit of the arcade and stuff like that, and obviously. You know they're not as part much a part necessarily of British life as they were of American life, but I think there are there is quite a lot of that, and I think especially in places like bowling alleys and mm. ice rinks, 
It's the only place I can think of where there are arcades these days. I'm old. I have no wow. idea. And I think that sort of public exhibition sort of thing is like, yeah, how comfortable do you feel? Mm. It's interesting. Um, I think with, uh, in terms of my list of questions, I, I wrote my list of questions, but I didn't write any of my answers on it. So <laughs> I've, I've, I've left that one to you. Um, where where the last conversation was supposed to have gone, but I'm really, really happy with the tangent it took, was um, from the games that you that do have gendered representation in it, what are, do, what are your impressions of the representation of women in those games? Caroline? Oh, it's shine. I mean, it's generally, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, you know, most of the arcade games, are, and I am going to go back to Wreck-It Ralph, and it's like, you know, so the, the main female character is a young woman and all in all the girls are racing princesses racing in cars because you couldn't just be women racing in cars. You have to be princesses and, oh, we're pretty and we have cupcakes and we have rainbows and we have flowers. I mean, I love cupcakes and rainbows and flowers, but that's not the point. Um, they should, <laughs> which is why I love the character that she's a glitch. On the whole, she's like not quite like other women, but I think that it's a brilliant representation of how women are create, uh, represented in those games. I haven't spent as much time in arcades in modern eras, but I'm pretty sure some of those games as well have the same problem that car shows do and stuff of having the sort of the silhouette on the side of the arcade machine, having the silhouette of the woman's body. Definitely seen that. Like very much a thing I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Now that um, you've said it, now that you've said it, it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And that's sort of like, you know, well, you don't need to know anything about this woman other than exactly the shape of the contours of her body, uh, which is there's a great Twitter account, social media. I think it started off as a Tumblr, actually, um, of headless women in posters. Um, which was about how in so many representations in the media, women are represented headless. There's just a, a body of a woman. You don't even see the face. You don't even see the head. And the side of arcade machines are terrible for that. Mm. Just the sort of like, why would you need to see her face? What's that about? There's a South, there's a South Park episode where they they make a spoof. There's a, a spoof alcohol ad and it's basically going if you drink this, you'll get cars and women and sex and money. Cars, women, sex, money. And uh, that's <laughs> that's literally what is marketed to 15-year-old yeah. boys, which is my, mm-hmm. my theory about how every everything is made from the point of view of a 15-year-old boy. <laughs> which is really depressing when you think that the Mel Gibson movie, What Women Want, is like, what, 20 years old now? And the whole point of that movie was that how outdated that view of advertising was and how it was just, you know, the sort of man-child that is that mm. character portraying that onto people and it doesn't actually work. And yet we're still here 20 years later. <sighs> yeah. I have no hope. I have hope, but my the world is hurting my soul a bit at the minute. So I'm trying to. It's it's, it's hard. Yes, the world is it's right for sensitive souls. It can be, uh, but yes, I am optimistic. Um, Alex, uh, yes. I'll remind you what the question was: representation of women in arcade games. Yeah, from what Caroline said about the silhouettes and things, I do have vague recollections, just like odd snippets in my head, of. Arcade games being some of the worst examples of hypersexualization of women. But that's all I can remember, I'm afraid, um, because it's really patchy in my brain for some reason. Um, and also probably because there were no women represented 
um, in the types of games that were on show. Um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much uh, all my brain can conjure up is that it's just some of the worst examples or no examples at all. Yeah, I've seen examples from like fighting <laughs> games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. Yeah, they're all just a waist that's that thin, and then boobs, shoulders, yeah. thighs, legs. Hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's how it all looks. Or eyes, like huge eyes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jem, what's uh, what was your impression? Well, yeah, I mean the same. I think it it was it is a very. I, I don't. I mean, I I'd be quite interested. I'm trying to think. I I did go into an arcade a few years ago, <laughs> and I'm trying to think if it was if if it had changed at all. Um, but I don't think it has because I think it, it's it, it, it. They're a bit of a, a, a strange lore unto themselves. Arcades, really. I mean, this was on a this was on a beach. So this was like um, down in Devon, and it was uh, yeah, it was like a seaside resort. And I think the one that I'd been to before that was um, in Milton Keynes and in, in near that with their cinema shopping centre there, and that that. <sighs> It's just a lot of like loud, um, flashy. Come here, do this, and I think I've seen an increase in those ones where you have to hit things, and you know that. So you know, I feel like even if they've moved away from the sort of visual sexism, then they're still they're still perpetuating this idea that this is a man's environment. The colours are all very masculine the the everything is lots of metal and i don't know there's just something about it that just feels like it's it's geared up to appeal to a certain type of of brain um yeah yeah so uh fortunately and unfortunately uh the arcade gaming uh industry is going the way of the floppy disk it is it is slowly waning away and it's possible that the pandemic was the death blow to it mm. it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it isn't very surprising that it hasn't really developed um in terms of its um messaging and marketing because it's a dying industry which means that it's mainly going to be older people uh like old industry people still making the same things that they did because it's not it's not growing and now why would a kid go to a um uh, play uh, an arcade game like uh, video game um, when they've got everything they could possibly do on their phone or on a console mm-hmm. or on a PC. Um, yeah. The last question on arcade games um, is if you had the space, what arcade game, if you could have one, what arcade game would you have? So, Caroline, please. Go I, I just, I was, so I was very excited about this because, like, I suddenly thought, right, this is exactly what I want. But then when Alex mentioned the motorbikes earlier, I was like, shit, mm. that's the good answer. That's what yeah. I should have gone for. I'd forgotten about those. But um, House of the Dead, absolutely, no question, the oh, absolute most classic. Yes, amazing classic art. I mean, I played lots of the PC versions and also Typing of the Dead, which if you ever want to improve your typing skills, 
fantastic game. But the arcade version, <laughs> nearly made you spit. But the arcade version <laughs> of House of the Dead is to me that is what a classic arcade game is. I think possibly as well because the Dreamcast had a really good version with attachment guns that you could play. Again, showing my age there, mentioning the Dreamcast. But it's just such the basic. Ah, zombie monsters coming at you. Shoot it. Zombie monsters coming. Shoot it. Big boss. The big bosses were amazing. They were usually like flying monsters in the sky. Two of you, perfect co-op. It's just, it's simple, it's straightforward, and nothing's ever really been better than it, in my opinion. So House of the Dead, hands down. You know, you saying that, you've just reminded me of, I think, House of the Dead 4, um, with this great big hulking thing that runs through the sewers after you. Yeah! And so <laughs> I think I think I'm going to take Time Crisis 2 and lay it to rest because I've played it like <laughs> and go, thank you, dear friend, and push it off into like the Viking <laughs> longboat. And uh, so I'm going from right now, I would love um, House of the Dead 4 because I never finished it. And the shotguns were so awesome. Mm-hmm. There was another one where you get an Uzi. And just anything with a gun just feels awesome. So that but just the, the monsters were so cool. I mm. There's something about like the monsters that you were fighting that I always, even with like shitty graphics and stuff, they always just struck me as being really awesomely designed. I I love that game. Mm. It's a it, it's a it's an unappreciated art because they've sort of been left behind. You don't really think about the people who made them. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, Alex, how about you? <laughs> I've never played it in arcade form, but I'd quite like Pac-Man. Because, you know, it's a classic, isn't it? Yeah. You can't really, you can't really argue with the fact that it is, it is probably one of the most well-known arcade games out there, I would say. I mean, I don't know, was it, was it, I suppose it was originally an arcade game and then turned into other forms of game. Um, but yeah, that would be my answer, I think. And also a good one for discussing female representation mm-hmm. because it's yeah. the, I mean, again, everyone knows I've learned most of my life from Wayne's World now from the previous episode, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, Ms. Pac-Man being like the sort of the first female yeah. gaming character type thing. Yeah. Very true. Okay, if you yeah. put a bow Sorry. on Pac-Man, you've completely mm. changed. <laughs> we need to do an entire episode about sexualized animals because they're everywhere. It's mad. Um, but I do I do feel at this point I should mention there was a thing on the uh, Gamer Girls subreddit, Girl Gamers subreddit today, where somebody had found a review on Steam where some random angry man was complaining because a game had a female hippo as a dungeon monster. And he then has, and this is, what I love here is he's gone to the effort of counting the ratio. He said, there are three female and one male monsters in this dungeon so far. I'd like to see more male monsters in the dungeon. <laughs> Which I don't know what's worse is whether he's gendering the hippo, whether he <laughs> is, wants to see more male monsters. He does. He thinks men are underrepresented as monsters, which is quite phenomenally surprising. But yeah. Just felt I had to throw that out there. I could have a superpower. I'd like to have a slap that could hit people into self-awareness. <laughs> that makes them go, huh, you know, everything is male everywhere, isn't it? Maybe this is actually an, a positive example of when you go, actually, you can't have everything you want. <laughs> Maybe one day. 
uh, Jen, uh, what would you have? I can't remember what the question was. <laughs> uh, if you could only have, if you could have one arcade game, if you had the space, what would you have? Oh God, it would be Daytona. It would be the racing games with because <laughs> I loved it. Like that, you got to sort of like sit in a car and drive <laughs> before I was driving, and and yeah, no, I just really loved it. I just really enjoyed the the racing games. Um, I think I I did put a picture of like the little machines that you do them, but because you and also it's like a lot of the other games that I would have said, which would have been would have been Pac Man. That's not it. That's a penny pusher. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, it would have been Pac Man or, po- or Pong. Actually, you know, real well, old school. Really, um, but yeah, I did really I mean, enjoy that game. Pong? I feel Pong is over romanticized. Uh, well, I liked the one with the brick. There was a brick one, which wasn't Pong, but was yes, later. brick. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. yeah. You see, those are the dance. Those are the dance mats. That's not. We haven't talked about that yet. <laughs> God, I love we'll that one. But um, yeah, no, the Daytona because I just think it would just be so cool to have in your house. <laughs> just, I know that they did bring out like the Wii um, had like a little steering wheel, and I think mm. one of the other right. um, yeah. consoles did, but they were never any good because they weren't attached to anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be really easy to like. Oh, You've not got that surround sound that you got in those seats as well. Yeah, right. yeah, it was just awesome. And also, people could crowd around you and watch if you were being, you know, doing really well. I wasn't that good. <laughs> I wasn't that good. I was good for, for a girl. Good, good enough <laughs> to snag a boyfriend. Yeah. No, I'm not. I. I'm not saying that. That's what they all said. <laughs> no, I was awesome. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I think I yeah, definitely one of those. You just made me think that uh, some of the coolest things about um, arcade games, especially when you're a kid, you get to simulate doing something that adults do that you look at. Mm. Oh, yeah, I do, yeah. I do like driving now, though, like in my real car. And <laughs> <laughs> um, bit of a girl racer. I know that's a sexist term as well. Girl can't say anything today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think that will... uh, Does anyone have anything else to add on the topic of arcade games for now? I was just going to ask, does bowling count as an arcade game? I think that counts as... No, I think that's... It counts as another kind of game. I can come back to that later. Hmm. Yeah, I love bowling. I think we can... We can definitely wrap that up in a, in another episode. Oh, cool. There Hold on to it. Cool. So in that case, we will bring that segment to an end on arcade games and move into the area of pub games. Um, <laughs> pub games are incredibly cool, very vintage, but I feel like everyone everyone probably has stories of when they're in pubs and playing snooker, darts, pool, pub machines, pub, no, pub um, quiz machines that are awesome. Um, and there are like other things like shove eight knee and this weird thing where you've got pins and you swing a, like a dangly thing into them. Um, and so so start, starting off... Uh, as we did with the arcade games, what are our earliest memories of pub games? Jen, I'm going to go to you first. Oh, probably, probably, 
I used to spend a lot of time in pubs. My parents took me to quite a few pubs when I was younger, but I don't remember playing any games in them because we were just too busy eating crisps, I think. But I think probably my earliest my earliest memory is, is pool, is playing pool in in pubs when I was a, a teenager and um, just hanging out for hours on end in a, in a, in a pub and, and the whole like winner stays on and the anxiety around that. Like if you, if, if you were sort of like a casual pool player, then, you know, the idea of doing the winner stays on thing was always horrible because you didn't want to have to play with some strange old guy <laughs> like lived there. Um, so yeah, no, that was, that would probably be my, and I, I did like, I did like pool actually. And, um, and again, that's that's a game that tr- a lot of women don't play. Although mm. in my social group, quite a few of us did. But yeah, I think it's um, it's. I think it's it's. I was thinking about it from a physicality perspective. There's some issues with pool because they tend to find a sort of place where they can fit it fit them in so there's always this thing about like people walking past and the space and when you're leaning over and you're you know and there's a whole thing about you know as a woman if you're if you're wearing like a low cut or not even that low cut top and you're leaning over you know if there's somebody sitting at like sort of chest height you know that's there's also all the fact that you know you just feel a bit exposed the whole thing just felt quite I mean yes you've got a great big stick in your hand but you know other than that there was there was something about the physicality of of pool tables that I think were not conducive to to young women playing Mm -hmm. But that didn't stop us. You know? No, but I completely agree because it was always for me, definitely as a teenager, like, in, sorry, or not not before I was 18 was I ever in a pub. Um, and, but that sort of, it, well, but as you say, it was, it's cleavage and ass. It's, it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, if you lean over the pool table, somebody's leering down your top. And you also, you, I feel if you're having to take quite a long shot and leaning quite over, your ass is sticking there and yeah. you never know who's going to walk past and grab or slap your ass. And mm-hmm. of course, I think I like to think because Matt's told me I have to be more optimistic now uh, that that doesn't happen as much now in 2021. But it definitely, if you were doing that in a pub in 2001, 20 years ago, that was that was just a consequence. And, you know, the last time I turned, you say we had a big stick. The last time a guy did that to me in 2001, I smacked him around the back of the head while he was drinking out of his pint glass. And I was the one who got in trouble for injuring him. Mm. So. Yeah, Which we're gonna make that as a salt. We're gonna we're gonna lean we're gonna <laughs> yeah, lean into okay. the um uh the gendered nature and how gender impacts pubs um uh, in a little bit. Um, did you have a, an earliest memory, Caroline? Yeah, well, <laughs> I've never been in a pub till I was, so mine was more the um when I was. This is more of like a family folklore story. So when I was little, my mum worked and my dad looked after me at home, and my dad may have taken me to the pub a few times, much to my mother's chagrin. Um, and uh, so apparently, according to the family, I, I don't really remember this, uh, when I was two, three years old, when fruit machines were still very much a thing in pubs, uh, any time any of the old guys were playing at the fruit machine, and when it went ding, 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 I would just shout, money coming down, money coming down. Yeah. Um, and that's <laughs> family law that any time anything good is happening or anything, it's money coming down. Uh, so I'm guessing <laughs> that the Machines is my earliest memory of pub game. 
Albert, and how about you, Alex? I don't. I couldn't think of one to be honest, because I don't think they were much of a thing in any of the pubs that I went to. That's to say, I don't really frequent pubs that much. Um, less so nowadays, especially during COVID. But uh, I think during uni they were definitely more of a thing because I was at uni and that was fine. Um, but yeah, I couldn't think of one to be honest. I think probably the only time I actively participated in in pub games was at uni, and the earliest one of that was pool. Um, and as you have already heard, it was uncomfortable on multiple levels. And I, I didn't think of the, um, obviously there was that extra layer of being a woman as well, but I didn't think to, to actually talk about that as well, but it was, it just was subconscious, I think. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's multiple layers there, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, with me, I think my, Again, I don't know if it's the earliest, but it's sort of the like the overpowering ones, probably the um, pub quiz machines, mm. and especially playing them with my friends. And between the four of us, we were like we were pretty pretty good at it. And like being able to make more money than you spend occasionally, that feels really cool. Um, <laughs> but I get, really I get. <laughs> very rare because <laughs> that's why that's why casinos stay in business because you lose more off they every time you lose they win we actually had one matt in the um i used to call it the swedish it's really near the swedish embassy in london there's a really nice pub and it is it's the swedish pub because it's mostly uh, populated by swedish people and the quiz machine in there my brother and i had a really good run on it we were having the best run we'd ever had and i think we basically we'd won about seven quid it crashed it just, the machine crashed. No. And we sort of went to the, we were like, hey, give us our money. Maybe. And they were like, no, nah, can't help it. We don't operate the machine and stuff. <laughs> I was like, no. It's a racist machine. Back to what you damn it. Englanders winning our, <laughs> with our money. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same Daniel can't, can't defend himself. Um. So leading into the topic that uh, Caroline and Jem, you touched on a moment ago, um, I remember thinking just as a just as a, a younger guy in a pub, it's always filled with intimidating old guys. And I felt intimidated and you don't feel like it's their place and you have to tiptoe around them. Um, so uh, I think... Uh, Caroline, we'll go to you first. Of your, did you feel intimidated in pubs? Did how? What did the atmosphere feel like for you as as a woman going into a pub to play well, these games? Okay, I could talk for hours about this, but what I'll do is and an apologies to anybody who's known me. I w- I'm going to tell you my Glenda Jackson anecdote because so for those of you who don't remember who Glenda Jackson is, because you're young. Uh, Glenda Jackson was actually a famous actor, first of all, but she was a Labour MP um, from the 90s up until the late 2000s. And she was the MP for Hampstead and Highgate. And I went to school in Highgate and she came to give a talk at my school when I was 17. So I went to a small girls private school and up the road was the big boys private school. And we the sixth form would get these joint talks every week. So the room would have about... 400 500 teenage boys in it and about 50 teenage girls sitting in the middle of it 
So it's already a sort of slight power disparity in that situation. Um, and so Glenda Jackson was giving the talk. And Glenda Jackson, bless her, was giving a really good talk about glass ceilings and about the barriers that still face women. And me, as a horribly arrogant, privileged, middle-class white girl in 1999, thought, screw you, I've got all the power I need. I can do anything I want. I had no understanding of the disparities that existed. I had no understanding of my privilege, but also the things that I was buying into, all the stuff I've ranted about in terms of like, you know, sort of I by by rejecting what it meant to be like girly and like I'm not like other girls, therefore I'm cool because I'm like boys, all that bullshit. So that's the sort of awful person I was at that point. And so Glenda Jackson gives this speech and I mean I think you all know so we're not going to surprise you that I was the sort of person who always had to put their hand up and ask a question at the end of a speech. And so I put my hand up and I said, but this isn't really true, is it? I am confident that there's nothing I as a woman can't do. There's no glass ceilings. There's no barriers to me. There's nothing stopping me. Why are we still fighting this? I, like, I want to go back and slap myself. Um, <laughs> but Glenda Jackson, and I'm sure she said other things, but what I heard was she said, there are still pubs in this country that women don't feel comfortable going into. At which point the row of boys behind me, who were my mates, burst out laughing because they couldn't imagine me not going into a pub because I'd been into every pub in North London and I was Caroline who's always out and always up for a laugh and always out drinking. But what they didn't realise and what I didn't consciously take in in those days is that me going to a pub was such a different experience for them. Um, I My experience was, you know, as I said the thing earlier about the, grab, the guy grabbing my ass and me then having to slap him around the back of the head or the other guy grabbed my ass and I grabbed him by the wrist and had to walk him over to the uh, bouncer and get him removed. Now, I'm a bolshy, difficult person. Most people wouldn't be able to do that. And it was, for me, the kind of person I was. It was like, right, I'm going into these spaces and I'm going to be difficult and I'm going to think. But it was a fight. It was a battle. I wasn't comfortable. I was challenged about it all the time. And I was considered unusual as that's what the laughter was about. So for me, yes, I was in pubs all the time. Yes, I was trying to take up that space. But no, it wasn't comfortable. And particularly, you know, I'm touching on it slightly, but the, the threat of sexual harassment or worse was there constantly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the the thing of not belonging that we've talked about in gaming uh, often, the you just made me think of you had to fight to exist in a place where uh, like the boys just can just sit and exist, whereas you've constantly got things pushing back against you. And you can go there and you can enjoy things, but as with when you are often the only girl doing something, you're having to fight in order to make that, to be in that position. And there are so many people, like you say, who get uh, sexually harassed and then don't do anything about it because they're scared, because they don't want to fight, because intimidated for so many completely valid reasons, because... There, people say, "Well, you're in a place you're not supposed to be. If you weren't in the pub, you wouldn't get sexually harassed." And so, and uh, boy, I've been thinking about this recently. The the boys will be boys argument. 
and thinking that it just means boys can't control themselves. Mm. That made me think that the the trope forever has been that women are too emotional. They're too emotional to 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 work, too emotional to lead companies, too emotional to be in government, too emotional to do anything other than look after kids. When men are supposed to be so calm and calculated and logical, then why are like 90% of violent crimes committed by men? Why is domestic violence and abuse so profoundly common all over the entire globe? Why are there constant wars? Why is there constant male violence? Because if men get angry, they get stroppy, and then they hurt people. And so the, it, it only struck me recently. I can't be. I, I, I'm sure that this is something that everyone else has thought of forever. That, but men are so that their anger is tolerated as boys will be boys. They never learn to control it, and they get angry and they hurt people. And that's that thing of you. you we 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 take. We say a uh, hundred women were sexually assaulted. They don't say a hundred men sexually assaulted women. And how it's always framed, how men are always protected and how their spaces are. They just get to, they guess who's this or that, and their anger goes. They're never taught about what anger is and how they're not supposed to use it. So that's that's my rant for today, Caroline. So thank you for thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, uh, Alex, um, what have, have, have you had an experience of the atmosphere of pubs? I'm really glad you asked that question, Matt, because it made me reflect about how I feel about going to the pub. And I can honestly say, even now, I still don't feel comfortable. I've never felt comfortable, really. Not 100% comfortable in a pub. And that's for multiple reasons. One, because it's predominantly male-dominated. And two, well, actually three, there's going to be three. But anyway, two, um, the men are loud and rowdy and boisterous. and bigger than me um, because either I'll be at wheelchair height or I'll be standing which doesn't make me that much taller but still I'm quite petite um, even if I go to a pub with a group of friends and I go up to the bar by myself to order a drink I feel intimidated because I'm that much smaller up against the bar compared to the men around me um, but generally speaking I always feel slightly anxious in pubs just because it, they're just loud boisterous places usually filled with men I mean I can't say that I don't have a good time in pubs because I can that's fine but uh, I always have a sense in the back of my head that oh I don't want to stay too much longer here because I don't feel entirely comfortable Um, and also the other thing which is an obvious thing not every pub is accessible to me because a lot of them were designed uh, without disabled people in mind very often the toilets are upstairs, especially in spoons, always always upstairs in spoons. Um, so that's another barrier. Um, and generally speaking, the tables are usually packed in hemmed together, so navigating them is rather difficult. And again, it's the extra layer of, like, you feel, I don't want to say vulnerable, but you do feel more vulnerable in a way being in your chair in a pub because you're that much lower down. Nobody really looks. You're like always at hip height, so it's it's just really navigate difficult navigating the space, especially with drunk people in it. Yeah. Um, 
And then, of course, you get the, oh, isn't it great you're out? Uh, let's pat you on the head. You're so uh, inspiring. You <laughs> yeah, it's so great that you're out. You're so brave. All that, all that shit. You, you know, which was a, which was a common thing. Um, not so much. Well, it still happened in clubs, but in a different context. Um, but yeah, I don't know really. Yeah, it did make me reflect on how I've, I'm never quite 100% comfortable in a pub. Yeah. yeah. It's another thing of like the, the world telling you, the environment telling you. It's like mm. level design in a game. Yeah. It tells yeah. you, you don't belong here. Mm. This isn't mm. the right place for you. It wasn't built for you. Stop trying to come. Yeah. Um, Jem, uh, what, do, what do you think? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with everything that's been said. I think, you know, they are very toxic and uncomfortable environments. They're not designed for women or children. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think the thing is, is that I've been in lots of pubs. I've had lots of fun in pubs. I've been there with groups of friends and I've been there where we've rented the back room of the pub and they've been awesome. Um, The goth the gothy pubs and the metally pubs tend to be the best and tend to have the nicest atmospheres and the least gropey people. I've been in pubs where you couldn't walk to the toilet without having your ass grabbed or something. You know, it was it was horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think you know it. I think uh, with what Caroline was saying about you know like sort of standing up for yourself and and all of that the you're very much you feel like you can't uh, you can't mm-hmm. say I'm uncomfortable this is uncomfortable this is making me feel awkward because then you are showing fear and we all know that when you're in a in a predatory scenario you do not show fear so you have to kind of laugh it off and you know it's it is hard I definitely was not the kind of person who'd turn around and and slap anyone who who touched me that I just did not have the confidence to do that I wish i had but you know I mean I used to um uh, you know stick close with your friends that's why the girls all go to the toilet together it's good yeah, it's yeah, not because yeah. we all want to gossip it's because it's it's safety in numbers um yeah. when I was 18 I, I worked um in a pub um and it didn't last very long um it was just a local country pub and um and I and we had some really busy weekends where there was big shows on locally, so it was manic. And I quite enjoyed that. But there was always, it doesn't matter which pub you go to, wherever it is, there is always at least one or two old geezers that just sit there the whole evening and get drunk and think that your job is to entertain them and to cheer them up and whatever. Um, and this pub was no different. And it had a few people who weren't, you know, they didn't do anything. They just intimidated me. And then I'd only been there a few weeks. I was literally just 18. And um, the guy that was the bar manager said, um, oh, I'm not going to come. I'm not going to be back this evening. So you, can you lock up? And I was like, no. I can't I just couldn't do it and and I had a, what I now recognize to be like an anxiety attack but at the time I didn't realize it and and I just was like no I can't do it I'm not doing it and I refused and they sacked me and you know that was that was completely unreasonable of them to do that but there was nothing I had no recourse I had nothing mm. that I could do about it um and you know now I'm, I'm quite horrified really by it but I, you know because that there wasn't there wasn't going to be anyone else there they were going to leave me an 18 year old girl you know who'd been working in the pub for a few weeks to kick out the last drunks and to lock the doors and all of that and walk and then walk back to my car and home at half past 11 at night you know it just yeah it's um 
Look, see, it's even distressed my cat. <laughs> it just perfectly illustrates how just terrifyingly dangerous the world is for women. Mm. That just, it's obscene that it isn't the only thing that is talked about. Because you think about the, um, so take um, Florida and America, for example, because I've heard statistics of this. There are, um, so this is the uh, place that uh, wants to do the six week abortion ban. And they said, uh, someone asked him, oh, what, even in cases of rape? And he said, yes. And he said, uh, but our way to deal with that is we are going to stop rape. And everyone went. But in uh, Florida, there are 6,000 untested rape kits, which means that in Florida, there's potentially, if you say that, we say there are 6,000 rapists, and you go, well, maybe there are a couple of repeat offenders. Even if we say there's one in six, there's a thousand rapists out there. And we know that like rape is like the, the highest form of sexual assault and then rape and murder. Because people who do these things, they escalate. They don't start at rape most of the mm-hmm. time. They, um, and it's the things they start off with like flashing, for example, and then grabbing asses and then it goes up and up because there's no stop. Cause like you said, Jem, there's no support for you. Someone grabs your ass and unless you turn around and slap them, which I don't advise. Yeah. I just want to point because yeah, again, there's that, that entitlement. The reason men do it is because they feel entitled to you, mm. and they're brought. They 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 believe that because there's no. It should be they grab your ass. You should the the waiter should come over and say, "Look, call the police." Bouncer picks them up, takes them outside. They get arrested. They get charged, and then that's it. It should be a simple pathway like that. But of course, it isn't. Um, and should say, well, just if we could <sighs> campaigns to just re- reveal, show everyone how dangerous the world is really because there's so much propaganda and it's just... If I could just say, Matt, please, yes. what I think is very interesting about this is that like normally, like, you know, you don't normally have me, Gem and Alex all talking about scary experiences. Like we're normally, because we're normally talking about gaming. We're normally online. We're fine. (laughs) And I think it's a revealer of just like what the experience is of going to the pub for a women that we all have this sort of like, it's dangerous. It's even if you're having a nice time, there is a constant awareness in the back of your head. There is something there. And, you know, my stories about when I was younger are all built out of bravado over years and stuff like that. But there's at least 50,000 times. There's at least 50 times where I didn't grab the guy's arm and break and drag him over and stuff like that. And I think it's just, we're not, we're not interesting or special. This is just what a woman's experience is of being in a pub. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a really good point. It's that everyone's got a story. Everyone's got asked them about it, but no one, no one asks because they don't want to know because it's uncomfortable. Mm. Um, And again, it shows that, what we're doing here is a place where we can we can talk about those things um, in the gaming through a feminist lens because uh, this is the fact that women aren't safe is unacceptable and the only way to do anything about it is to try and talk about it as and get it out there as much as we can. Um, we're going to go on to the wild card. Is there anything else anyone wants to add before we go? Good. 
Excellent. Um, so for this, <laughs> I went when I went to buy Deathloop. I saw I, I went to buy it straight away because I saw all of the reviews come out and they're like, "Oh, that's the best game ever!" And so I ran straight to Maidstone, which is a half an hour drive away, and tried it in two games. I walked in, I couldn't see it on the walls anywhere, thinking, "Oh, has it has it sold out?" But then it was on. I looked at uh, the ad again, and it said it was out on the fourteenth. But all the reviews had come out on the thirteenth, so I was a day early. Yeah, and I thought. Oh. But I went up to the counter. Lovely, wonderful um, girl there um, who uh, helped me out, um, and she. I said, um, "What?" She asked me what my first initial was, and I said M. And she said, "Oh, is that M for November?" And I said, "No, it's M for Movember." And then we were <laughs> we were trying to think of other um, like uh, words for initials. Couldn't think of any, and then I went. We should have a gaming phonetic alphabet. <laughs> All right. Okay. So what we're going to do between the four of us, we're going to take a letter each as we go around, and we're going to come up with a phonetic alphabet. I can just instantly see this is totally my thing and totally not Gem's thing. <laughs> I spent... I'm gonna I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick at random who goes first because I spent a good ten minutes trying to think of an A when I when I first started. It took me it took me such a long time. So what I'm gonna do, how am I gonna choose uh okay, we're gonna try rock, paper, scissors. What okay. some rock, paper, scissors. Okay, cool. so the person the first person to lose goes first. What? I don't know. But I'm just, I'm, Matt, you have to be in charge. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll be. It'll be fun. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, that couldn't have worked better. <laughs> Can I look it up? Can um, I phone a friend? <laughs> So I have to come up with an, a, a game. A game that begins with A. <laughs> a game that begins with A. Um, Animal Crossing. Mm. Alex, <laughs> going to go round in clockwise. Alex, B. Uh, B, B, B. Bayonetta. Bayonetta. Caroline, C. <gasps> so I, I'm, I'm cheating. I open my Steam library and it's not oh. a game that begins with C. <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> so I will have to use my brain. Uh, oh, oh, crazy taxi back on the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am D, Dying Light, the sequel of which is going to come out next year and it's going to be incredible. I can't wait. Gem E, oh, EverQuest, ancient, ancient MMO, but I didn't really play very much. <laughs> Alex F. Uh, uh, da, da, da. Oh no, Forza. Forza. Yes. Very nice. G. Caroline. Oh yeah. <laughs> Too busy baiting other people. Um, Grand Theft Auto. What else? So H. Um, H. 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 Heavenly Sword. I, I, Jen. Ico, awesome game. Definitely mm-hmm. recommend it. Alex, J. Jack and Dexter. 
Okay, Caroline. Can I go with a fictional game? Can I go with Kingdom Scrolls from Dead Pixel that's not actually a real game? Okay, which case... I'm going with Kingdom of Amular, which is in my Steam library and I've never installed and never played. <laughs> Very good. Um, L. I'm going to try and not do Lord of the Rings or Lego. <laughs> I go with. If you think of. No, no, no. We have to, we have to, we have to do it. We have to do it on our own. Uh, <laughs> That's very patriarchal thinking, Matt. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go with oh, just Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. Then I'll see if I can. <laughs> I'll see if I can think of a better L as we go around. Uh, Gem M. Oh, Mario Kart's obviously. <laughs> N Alex. Uh, uh. <laughs> N, N, N. I'm such a numpty Lara Croft. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, N, 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 N. We need to put some music underneath. Me singing the countdown theme doesn't really help, does it? But <laughs> I can't. Oh, this is really hard. Okay. I've got two that I could help you with, but I'm not oh, allowed to. I know. Or is she allowed to phone a friend? Shall we each? We can each have yeah, a phone we, a friend. Have That's a, a good friend. idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. <I'm just> <laughs> Hello. <laughs> could you help me? I need an M. Ah, how about the game, the the popular roguelike Noiter? Okay, we'll go with that Noiter. <laughs> Thank you very much. That sounds like you made it up. It's a real game. <laughs> Both my partner and my brother have like hundreds of hours on Noiter. It's like, it's a proper game. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Caroline, <laughs> oh. Oh, um, game I really loved, Orwell. Really good sort of like you go hacking through people's personal details and stuff and then you feel bad about it because they get arrested for crimes. So, yeah, good game. Cool. Prince of Persia, P. Quake. Oh my god, my housemate used to play this into the wee hours doing rocket jumps, practicing rocket jumps, and then he wouldn't couldn't get up for work the next day. (laughs) (laughs) I also played it. (laughs) What are we on now? Are we on uh yes? Roller coaster tycoon. S Caroline. Um <laughs> that was good. Sim City, which I installed on every single computer in my f- secondary school. Tetris was in sixth form. Sim City was in year seven. Okay, T. It would be it would be good if I could not just do something that starts with the. I wish I had S. Um, I'll do what I did last time and go with the sinking city and see if I think of anything else that starts with T. <laughs> what comes after T? You. Ultima. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. Ultima Online. I, play, I I helped out. I was a community 
manager support person for Ultima Online when I was at EA. So, yeah. I'll go with um, Thronebreaker for Mm -hmm. tea, a Witcher card game of Gwent, which is just a masterpiece. You can get get it on your phone now, Thronebreaker. Very, very worth worth doing. Um, T-U-V. B for Valkyrie. Is that a game? No, yes. No, wait. Is that a game? What was the one that, what was the one that you played, Caroline? Valheim. Bell- Valheim, yes. Oh. I knew it was a B. <laughs> it was Viking-esque. Yes. Uh, it's like, give me W, which, like, you know, I've never played it, but I'm going with World of Warcraft. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. W, X. <laughs> X. I mean, I'd like to go to bed before midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I su- the last four might be a bit tricky. <laughs> Could I suggest a possible option? I don't even know if this is a real thing. Was there ever a triple X game? You can ring me. Hello. I bet there was a triple X yeah. game. There probably was a triple X game. That would work. Well, since I'm the judge, I'm right? But also, it. there's a prop. There's an actual good game that we could mention here. Oh, XCOM. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh shit, yeah. Bags. yeah. We'll, go with, we'll go with XCOM. Okay. Yeah. Um, why, Jim? Why? Well, I think I don't know if the, I was really struggling with why, but um, I'm guessing there must be a game, a Yahtzee, a Yahtzee <laughs> game somewhere. <laughs> so I I'm don't go think with we that. can. I don't think we can go with such a general answer. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, no, okay. can... What does the rest of the panel think? <laughs> I, I'd be going with You Don't Know Jack, which was the predecessor of the Jackbox Party games. Oh, oh well, there you go. That one. I'm cheating and using my phone. And for our final one, Zed. I'm going to shout out to my friend Victoria if she's watching this eventually. And it will be Zed for Zelda because mm. it's her favourite. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that's everything. Yeah. Well done, everyone, for, for completing that challenge <laughs> and for a fantastic, really interesting eye-opening episode. So uh, to sign off, uh, we are have been gaming the system. Um, you can please do, if you're on YouTube, do give us a like and a comment. That is really awesome. And uh, subscribe if you wish we've got tons and tons of feminist gaming videos and let's plays for you to look at um, as well as the long form podcast and bonus rounds we are live every thursday at 7 p.m there'll always be something on on that day um please follow us on facebook and a really helpful thing if you're listening on audio go into apple podcasts or the itunes podcast the purple icon and give us a five-star rating and a comment because that really helps us get get the word out about what we're doing so and until next time, we will see you then. Bye. We hope you enjoyed that episode of Gaming the System. If you want to support us, you can donate to us through our PayPal by sending it to wearegamingthesystem at gmail.com if you want to send us a one-off donation. If you want to donate to us monthly, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash gamingthesystem. Until next time, bye-bye.